Bismillahirrahmanirrahim and uh, welcome to uh, How to Pakistan. This is uh, Musharraf Zaidi. We're starting off today uh, with uh, some Diplo, which was uh, which we have Adil Umar uh, to thank for in terms of inter I, 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 I knew that Diplo was a thing and I knew that he'd worked on the new Justin Bieber album. What I didn't know was how awesome he was until Adil Umar brought him to Pakistan and now Adil's been on a US tour. And so because we've been using Adil and Talal's music uh, for most of our episodes, I thought we'd, you know, as a tribute to what Adil is doing for music, uh, especially this kind of music uh, in Pakistan, I thought we'd start with some Diplo. So we I hope he doesn't mind. We, we just sort of assumed that he'd be okay with it because we know someone he knows. Essentially, this yeah. is like a mama chacha scene, so, <laughs> so yeah, that's the idea. No, even, even when he came, I didn't know who Diplo was. And I only actually found out way after when he said some well-meaning things that were kind of um, a bit... You managed to extract something negative out of the amazing things that Diplo no, that's, said. That's how I went into it. Well, well, the, the problem is if anyone says anything nice about Pakistan, that obviously there has to be something wrong with it, right? No, I didn't really, I thought we should let that one slide. It was just like, you know, so this is the so this is I, we need to find labels for things yeah. this is the we can party just fine and here in Pakistan crowd exactly I, I like that because you see it just depends on who's talking and at what time yeah. I have the exact same problem with this vice thing do you remember vice did these pieces where there was like oh look there's boys and girls in Pakistan. And I was like, yeah, that's how we make babies here. We got 200 million people, you know? Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it's all these other pieces that, you know, it, people have sex in this country. Take a step back. Are we allowed to say that word? I don't know if that, you know, will, will you know, will, do our bosses, do they allow that kind of language? I don't know, but, you know, it's, so sort of like the birds and the bees stuff that happens in Pakistan. Lots of birds, lots so of bees. So we learn about the birds and bees from Vice and Diplo. And Vice and And that's Diplo. a problem for you, and I, I have to say it is a bit of a problem for me too. I mean, I'm okay with it. I, I'd I, rather that there were some Arab, Arabic-speaking sort of teachers, you know, because so that it would be attuned to our real culture. Yeah. It, it yeah, be. you know, because the month, the holy month is about to begin, and you yeah. know, as I as I told you, this season is really about focusing on the spirituality of our of our being. Yes, that's what we went into this thinking. That this is what we're going to achieve, <laughs> right? So, so we have a great guest today. Somebody uh, you and I both respect immensely. Bought Achiadmiya, bought Sachtadmiya. And uh, I don't know, how else would you describe him? Sakhto ye admi kahin se bhi nahi but one of the things that I, uh, should we, because his name is going to be on the thing that people are clicking, people already know who it is, so we can keep going. Yeah, so, so right? the other thing is like, Sakht, even I know that he's not Dilgabot, like, actually, though, yeah. actually, his problem is he's a bit too, like, I think he's a bit of a softy. Yeah. And, you know, so, you know, there's like, like he's a, he's like this teddy bear. And I can't look at him while I'm saying this. That's yeah. why I'm looking at you. <laughs> <laughs> no, the other problem is that, you know, some people, they put pictures of their cats and talk about, you know, like, he'll put up a picture of a mouse there. <laughs> you know, the first gift I ever got him? Yeah. I got him a picture of a gun. Right. As a, you know, uh, of which then we took a picture. Right. <laughs> which was special. So anyway, welcome to How to Pakistan. Ejaz Heather, you are the first guest in season two uh, of, uh, of the podcast. 
We're very excited that you've finally been able to join us. I know that you've heard uh, some of them, and uh, you know I'm very grateful that you've appreciated them as well. Um, mostly that's down to Fussy's expertise, but you know I, I'm always there for the ride, no matter what or where. Uh, so it's great that you've joined us for this ride today. Uh, how are you? I'm good, and I, you know, this is really amusing. Uh, you, you guys are doing a wonderful job. It's the necessary gravitas. And also, it's not heavy. It's not like something that people would, you know, start listening to and then switch off. I, mean, I you know, you, you remember I told both of you that probably you should keep it short. Uh, and uh, and but once I started listening to the the podcast, um, I didn't realize that I'd listened to them for like an hour or so. And so so you make it very interesting, and uh, you discuss relevant topics, uh, you've got some really uh, good people that you've spoken to, which is all great. But since you mentioned, you know, you, you got me that poster uh, from New York, I think, which said something about, you know, we don't call 911, <laughs> we use cold. Yes. Yeah. Uh, no, that was a great thing. But let me uh, just say that um, I... Um, I Wait, have, let's start uh, yeah. with the question, because you're yeah. about to answer it. So let, let's just set yeah, it up okay. so that I it's totally clear. What's with the guns? No, no, there's a very good reason. Now, do you agree, design-wise, the Colt 911 is the most iconic pistol ever made? It is oh my God. the most iconic pistol. I, I, uh, I should have known having a Pakhtuna uh, on, on the podcast would produce, <laughs> would produce this. <laughs> no, no, but, 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 here, but here's, the, here's the thing. There are certain weapons... Look, that, I know what you're going to say. You're going yeah. to go into your plasticky Glock thing. <laughs> <laughs> no, you know the plasticky Glock <laughs> thing. See, I'm actually like physically and emotionally scarred right now <laughs> that you know this stuff. Because like my whole thing is I like to hang out with teddy bears. And, and I thought you were one, and I'm pretty sure it does as one, and now we're talking about guns, and you guys know about this. Well, I mean, he ought to know about guns. <laughs> oh, uh, and, and which is which is absolutely don't validate great. that stereotype. I was being no. funny. I was oh, being okay. No, like, but, <laughs> but that actually happened. A little profiling in every no, show. No, 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 <laughs> a little bit. Oh, yeah. No, no, but but here's the of thing. Of course, you I'm see, scared the, of guns the, because the, I'm Urdu. I'm Mahajir. No, you, you know what they no, say no, about no, us, no, right? No, 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 no. That's you know, that, that's really, absolutely. We're really scared of stuff. You you you're trying to sort of reappropriate the stereotype for yourself. Don't do that. Yeah, we can't let uh, we no, can't let we can't let a define us. <laughs> okay, okay. We'd still like to be a little bit scared of some things. You know what? I am absolutely scared of guns because I know exactly what a gun can do. And one of the one of the things that when you know people, someone at age no, thirty or thirty-five. Wait, no, no, hold on, hold on. Let me. If let you're me an American, it. you'd be a member of the NRA. You'd be a Republican. I don't think I would be a member of NRA, because I really do not stand for the values that NRA puts out. Nonetheless, having said that, just like I have roughly about three thousand books in my library, I think I would at least have about hundred guns, which would include assault rifles. If you were American. Rates. If I were in the U.S., yes. And absolutely. you can't have that here because the license is too expensive and cumbersome yes, to... Yes, it's cumbersome. It, the, the licensing regime is ludicrous. Guns. You would have 100 it's, guns. It's, it's completely, you know, it, 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 it's a You're useless so cheap kind of... in America. Like, I know the prices. 
you can yeah, accumulate that Can you please explain time. why you know this stuff? Because I'm, I'm actually <laughs> no, can shocked. I, can, I, can I please go back to, yes, yes. Uh, go back as to the what, guest what, on this what show? Fussy, I, I know the guest on this show. What Fussy said about... He's angry at the plastic about Glock. No, no, so... Let's talk about Glocks. I cannot believe this. We're actually having this conversation. The thing is that... Okay, so if you are carrying a weapon for self-defense... Yeah. Or a personal defense weapon, a PDW, that as you call it. What kind of weapon do you want? It's a weapon that the weapon that you want is one that is safe, and at the same time, you can actually, if need be, use it quickly. Now, with the Glock's striker trigger mechanism, you get that thing. There's no external safety, none of that. It has two internal safeties. It's, it has very sleek lines. What is it, like fingerprint-based, or what, what is it? No, it's a... So you have and I'm the, just trying you, you to keep up the, here. You have the hammer-fired uh, weapons. Okay, so a hammer is when there's a thing... The what thing we, that comes What we in hip-hop so, call uh, cock the Glock. Yes. Because so, so you, you're rocking in, a Glock, in, 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 and you're cocking a Glock. So, so, so the, and then so you're the tension is inside. <laughs> the, 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 the tension is you, inside. You like that topic I better. like the fact that... You're a dirty man. Your contribution is through your knowledge of hip-hop. <laughs> you're going to be throwing down rhymes now. I almost did. I started with cocking a Glock, and then I was rocking. No, no, I, I, was, I, was, I, was saying, I was saying that there are certain weapons, or, or not just weapons. Look at the, look at the C-130, Hercules. As a workhorse, it's a it's an aircraft. Uh, Is that what General Ziaul Haq was on when he passed yes, away? Yes, okay. uh, when he passed That's away. Particularly yeah, yeah. So tragic. It, it, it's a workhorse. Our, you know, yeah. right. it, the Americans have tried to improve on that, and they've got the globe trotters and the rest of it. But C-130 still, if you ask the pilot, but why don't you hollow you out? Let me ask you a question. Similarly, why wouldn't you hollow out an Airbus A380 to do what a C-130 does? I, I am not into aviation. I was just giving you an example of some of the things. See, but you like what I did there. Iconic. See, you were talking about guns, and you knew about no. that, and then you brought up no. planes, and no, I was no, like, Airbus no, A380. No, no, no. no so but actually... That was a good then, question. Then, I want to know this answer. I'm going to look it up. No, no. Point. You know what? So what I've been doing the yeah. last two or three times that I've traveled, yeah. I'm trying to get a cabin member. They all say that it's against the rules. But I'm going to get a cabin crew member to be on the podcast. This is, uh, this is unless, one of my unless, unless you can get... Okay, so now unless you can get yeah. an Airbus... Yeah with a ramp that opens in the way that the ramp opens for transport aircraft. Yeah, so it's, it's not really, no, so uske, it's not really pe, going to work. It's not really going to work. It's not Oh, really? Oh, really? Oh, really, Lala? You don't think we can do some chiran, some innovation, some jugar? With something Western, technological, to adapt it to our needs? That's not possible? It's just one step too far from <laughs> we can get caught here on this, but Airbus, let's just think that one out. No, so, it's an expensive so, plane so, to so, so, so yeah. another weapon, AK-47, you know, you got dozens of variations of the AK. But, but aesthetically that not pleasing, would you agree with no, that? No, look, um, for me, aesthetics when it comes to guns mm. is about, and I, I look at it in terms of robustness and reliability. This is a weapon you can use it in minus 30. This is a weapon you can use it at 50 degrees Celsius. This is a weapon you can use in the desert, in the jungle. Are we, in, are we talking about know, the AK-47? The yeah, AK-47. Yeah. Because it's designed in a way, you know, it, it has loose, long parts, okay, which, which 
give it the kind of reliability that you need from a weapon. But at the same time, the downside of, of the AK is that unless you are a good shooter. How much of the fetishization of guns? Let's just switch because it's <laughs> getting pretty, you, you, pretty, did, pretty did, technical. It's not a loaded question at all. Like, I like, it's not a loaded question at all. You didn't let me finish. There's no, so, it's not loaded, yeah. uh, but long and loose is what I think the words that were used to describe <laughs> no, because the if, working if you, mechanism if you, if you, of the AK-47. If you had the AK here, I would have uh, field stripped it for you, and you would have seen for yourself what I'm saying. You would have field stripped. You, you, can, you would have you field stripped it for us. You're yes. actually digging yourself into the no, hole. No, no, I know, I know, I know. I, I, I'm, I'm just giving him what a number, number of. I, I, I'm going to give him a number of phrases that he can pun on. Yes. Uh, I'm actually making it interesting for you, Musharraf. Because you're against yes. firing blanks. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. I am totally against firing blanks. So. So you, yeah, I can, uh, Mush, I can actually field strip the damn thing for you. Uh, in, 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 I do in, not want any, any, anything that includes you and strip in yeah. it. Neither do I want to ever hear those words together again, okay. nor do I ever want to have this conversation again. Let's quickly okay. move on. Sure. You love guns. Mm -hmm. Where did this, uh, where did it come from? How, how did you end up loving guns? Well, I, I'm an army brat. So my When you say you're an army brat, that means your dad was in the army? Yeah, my dad was in the army. He was an infantry officer. He um, really loved guns. Actually, my, my love for guns was he and a, my was, love for books. Was he, uh, was he a Come veteran? Uh, like, was he active in 65 and 71? My father was active in 65. In fact, my father was part of the uh, part of Operation Gibraltar, which is uh, the first phase of the 65 war where we crossed the, the ceasefire line. It was then known as the ceasefire line. It became the line of control after the Shimla agreement. Uh, he was part of the Nusrat force. He went in, and that was because, one, he was an infantry officer, and also because we belonged to Kashmir. And he had actually pre-partition, studied in Point City and all that, so he knew the area also. Um, and then, of course, uh, as we all know, that operation was a disaster for various reasons. And then um, he extricated from there. And then he fought the 65 war again uh, on the, along the ceasefire line. Then there's a place called Nakyal, uh, which is close to Kotli uh, in Azad Kashmir. Uh, so he, he loved guns. And he loved books. And so you picked and up both of those loves from your dad. I picked up both those things from Are you him. the eldest uh, among your siblings? Yes, I am the eldest. And, but, but here's the thing. Uh, it's not just about shooting a weapon. The first thing that you have to absolutely internalize is the normal, normal safety procedures. What safety procedures you must know and internalize even before you touch a, a weapon, whether it's an assault rifle, whether it's a handgun, whether it's a, you know. Because this is something, uh, you know, this entire thing about accidental gunshots and uh, this is stuff where people like to have guns but they don't really understand guns, or they haven't grown up with guns. They, they haven't internalized those safety uh, have you, mechanisms. Have you passed on any of this? Because I know you have three kids. Have you, ha, do any of your kids have uh, Only my youngest son. And he does? Uh, yeah, is, is he, he I, yeah, yeah. He, I, I've been training him for the last year. Okay, uh, so here's my question. Yeah. And it's a policy question, right? Yeah. Society constructs... Uh, I won't get into how we construct norms because that's a very, very sort of dicey and, and debatable set of issues. But laws are constructed to cater to the lowest common denominator in a society. And that means that laws are basically there 
and policy, in, in fact, all public policy, is there to address uh, the lowest common denominator in society, which means that a kid that doesn't have the sophistication and the intergenerational appreciation of the lethalness of, of, of a gun and mm -hmm. all the different, I mean, the, you started out with safety, you talked about the personal weapon and the primary thing and that was safety. Mm -hmm. This is the third time you've mentioned safety, right? Yeah. So clearly, you are a person that is what I would call a blue-blooded weapon lover, if that me means anything, right? You're, when it comes to weapons, you're aristocratic, and you have a real deep appreciation for both what they can, and can do and why they shouldn't then be just flailed around. Yeah. So you represent a low risk when it comes to a bad day at the office and a mm -hmm. bad drive home and a road rage incident. Yeah. Now, transfer you or your son, who's got now, your son would be a third generation user of a weapon, yeah. right? <clears throat> Imagine your son's classmate. Mm -hmm. uh, maybe comes from a good family, good background, everything, but they're all like poet types or writer types or worker bee types. Mm -hmm. Nobody in the armed forces, never touched a weapon, never even been around a weapon, never heard a weapon being fired. Mm -hmm. And this kid, because he's hanging out with your kid, decides he wants to get into weapons, except he doesn't have the dad that, that, mm -hmm. that your kid has. Mm -hmm. And so he just goes and buys a weapon and obviously... Well, basic the means, the, the basic sort of appreciation for the dangers inherent. Mm -hmm. And what, I'm, what, what I think for me from a public policy perspective uh, you know, comes out of that is that we have to limit your freedoms in order to keep everybody safe because we have to limit that other kid's freedom. I'm, I'm, uh, I'm, do you see where I'm going with this? I know where, you, where you're going with this. And I, I'm happy that you've uh, said this. Look, there are two models. One is that everyone has the right to bear arms. Okay, which is uh, what you have in the U.S. The other is roughly no one has the right to bear arm except the designated functionaries of the state. I personally look at the possession of the weapons in terms of a policy that lies somewhere between these two extremes. Now, uh, in the U.S., for anyone to go and buy arms uh, is, is a huge danger, and I think there's been a lot of debate yeah. about that. Now, when we go to get a, a car license, or any vehicular license, uh, you go there, you are tested for it. Psychologically, medical tests, whether you understand the okay, theory, got it. whether you, you know. Yeah, I got okay, it. Yeah. okay. Now, here's the thing. Look at our licensing uh, regime. Now, technically, Technically, our model is that no one has the right to bear arms except the designated functionaries of the state. Take it. Uh, with the exception of two western provinces, the Khabar Pakhtunkhwa and Balochistan, where culturally people kept weapons. And you used to have some hunting weapons in, in the Punjab and in, in Sindh. But with the Afghan war, and can I'm I, talking about just, the first not, Afghan. Not to challenge, but yeah. just to explore further. Yeah. Is there a record of culturally them keeping arms or mm -hmm. or? Was there a bit of a fetishization of tribal leaders mm -hmm. who adopted arms use mm -hmm. from their interaction with essentially either invaders or uh, colonizers? I mean, actually, I think Pakistan's quote-unquote Wild West, what, there was nothing wild about it until it was made to be wild through the retelling of, I mean, the, the, the idea that the Pashtun, which uh -huh. is not a word, uh -huh. it's Pashtun. Yep. Yeah. Right? 
and Pathan, no, which is also but, not but, 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 right? but it depends on which of the two dialects you are looking at. Whether you're looking going for the southern one, the where you have the whether you are doing the Shah thing or whether you're doing the Kha thing, it, it entirely depends on that also. So, but but you know that's a lot of sociology, and I don't think we have to go in there. But the point that I'm trying to make is that currently, for instance. This particular government and our interior minister has put a complete ban on arms licenses. Okay, I find that policy ludicrous. On the one hand, the Ministry of Interior has been giving permits for automatic assault rifles to all and sundry on the basis of okay, senator ka quota ye hai, MNA ka ye hai, ka ye hai, ka ye hai. Okay, on the one hand, you've been doing that. On the other hand. You have created a regime where it's extremely difficult for people uh, to, to get... But what, what is ludicrous but, about that? Okay. This is, so, this is so, a state and society that is designed to, no, no, hold on. to let me, let make me, the strong stronger and the weak weaker. No, no. Well, okay. So if you look at it from that... But, no, but I, is there I any consider, doubt about I, that I as being that, the schematic I, I for, for our I, state and society? I, I consider that an anomaly. It's a structural anomaly. What I'm saying is that, A, okay, Here's the thing, and I think, uh, you know, uh, with reference to your podcast, let me just say this, that the very nomenclature that we use, prohibited bow and non-prohibited bow, is completely flawed. So, the DCO within a province can, whenever the you know, they are issuing licenses, can give you a license from a 0.22 to a 0.45 ACP, okay? So therefore, when you say prohibited bore, bore essentially is a caliber. 0.22 is a caliber, it's a bore. 0.45 ACP, the other extreme, is a, is a caliber. What is prohibit? Okay. All, usually most pistols are now 9 into 19 mm parabellum rounds. Your MP5 or MP5A1 or A2, they're also the same caliber. Nine millimeter. When you say the MP, I'm assuming that means military pistol. Well, it is military pistol. It's it's, it's a Heckler and Koch a weapon which we also manufacture. Yeah, but for under somebody who doesn't, because there's yeah. a lot of listeners who are going to be like, this yeah. is all Greek to them. So yeah. let's just yeah. simplify it a bit. So so the, the it's a it's a it's a submachine gun. Okay, you you it, it, it has the same caliber as a nine millimeter pistol. The difference is that it's an automatic weapon. So essentially, the, the difference, the distinction should not be the bore, prohibited it, it, bore. It and should be whether you can fire the, 20 rounds in a minute or five action. or it's whatever. The bo it's yeah. the bolt action. Yeah. It's the bolt action that matters. So one of the things I just want to say. And the bolt action meaning how dangerous it is, right? I, yeah, I'm yeah, it, it means that how fast it, how fast so it obviously can Obviously not. Yeah. How dangerous is it? Again, hip hop, right? Yeah. <laughs> bro's got a bro's got an Uzi in one hand, no. and he's got something that he needs to cock and load yeah. every time in the so, other so, hand. So that's the point. You I, want to keep the Uzi out of his hand. Exactly with what Ijaz is saying is like one of the things about guns is one issue is also like this whole thing about displaying guns, yeah. right? Yeah. So this conceal and carry thing they have in the US, that's hugely problematic. Ask anyone who has a gun. Even when you're traveling with a gun, you feel yeah. a bit different, yeah. right? Yeah. There's a power imbalance. You probably, I mean, I don't think you can empirically say this, but at least from what I know, mm -hmm. you feel a bit more reckless. Now, one of the key things that is something that, you know, you need an automatic weapon for very few legitimate reasons. 
right? You need, like, hunting with automatic weapons, which happens occasionally in Pakistan, is ridiculous. Absolutely. It, it doesn't it, need to have, that's not a sport. That's not a sport. That's not a sport at all. You are not giving the animal any fair chance. Any fair chance, yeah. right? Yeah. Um, and then, again, one of the advantages is that even in any good licensing system, you're going to get somebody, I mean, there are a lot of people with latent issues, but the benefit of having, you know, a single shot system yeah. is there is more of a chance of containment. And one of the things, so I agree with you, the boar thing just doesn't make sense, right? Yeah. You can get one of those, I forget what the name of those, uh, the ones that uh, fragment in the flesh, what are those? Yeah, this, uh, this, the jacketed hollow point round. Yes, yeah. yeah, exactly, right? Uh, so uh, the jacketed so there, hollow there point, it might yeah. make sense yeah. on yeah. boar and, you know, how Again, from lethal, from lethal weapon uh, t three and four, yeah. uh, three, in fact, there was the uh, armor-piercing bullets. That, that yeah. had a that's a different category. Yeah. That's a different category. But I, I must. Sorry, I'm just, I must just trying to keep up here. No, I, I'm I just scanning the I, entire I, database I, and okay. just throwing so, it out there. So, 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 <laughs> GH, so GHPs are not uh, illegal. I mean, for instance, for my self defense, I, I mean, I don't use GHPs on the range when I go shooting. That's the full metal jacket round. Uh, but for my uh, personal uh, defense, I use the GHP uh, rounds. Another thing that Wait, we, why would we, you do that? If, if it's, it's in, in self-defense you want to immobilize more, somebody, yes, you don't yes, want to destroy yeah. their shin. No, no, so that's how you incapacitate. I mean, instead of taking, uh, you know, if ideally, ideally, and but that's for what... for home defense, wouldn't you use, say... If uh, that hits a femur uh, or a tibia... Uh, a uh, shotgun on. thing. If, if that's a short, a bit, no, yeah. shotgun, shotgun, shotgun is, a, is a great weapon. Yeah. But the problem, because there is no perfect weapon. Yeah, yeah. The problem with the shotgun is that you cannot take a clean shot. Yeah. Okay. Uh, shotgun is easy to shoot. Yeah. But the aim is to immobilize. Bullets scatter the they scatter yeah, right? Because it's, it's a gun. It, does, it's, it's, it doesn't have grooves in the, in the barrel. It's not yeah. a, it's not a, yeah. no rifling. Uh, so it's basically like a pataha with a bunch of yeah. crap so, in so, it that okay, goes So my, my, my point and is... And if the guy's at a distance, you can hurt him and but, scare him away. Yeah, but not my, kill my him. Point yeah. Is, my yeah. point is that you should have a very credible licensing regime where when someone applies for a license, he or she must be taken through a very rigorous process of, uh, you know, uh, testing uh, for yeah. psychological testing, also for whether this person actually knows what gun safety means. Well, what kind of, and you should also have a record of this person. I mean, if, if this person has been, let's say, ticketed for road rage or something, that's a big no. This is not a person yeah. who must, who should, who should be possessing so, a weapon. So, okay, so you know? let me, so, let me because uh, yeah. I also want, there is so much to talk about, and I don't want us, we spent quite a bit yeah, of time yeah, yeah, on guns. Yeah. Uh, uh, you started with it. No, I mean, I, it's, it's, it's all, it's, everything is essentially, if yeah. there's a Zedi in the room, find them, because it's their fault. Here's the thing, <laughs> <laughs> here's the thing, uh, Bukhari Sab. The thing is, there are larger public policy issues at play here, right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the reason you have this, obscene licensing regime is because systemically you are massively multiplying and expanding the number of weapons available to private security companies in Pakistan. Yeah. This is not a secret, but it is not talked about. Yeah. And this de facto privatization of human security mm -hmm. has been ongoing since around the same time as the Afghanistan invasion in 2001 yeah. of October. And concurrently, the 
the watering down of the state security apparatus in Pakistan and the soft under the exposure of the soft underbelly of this state and society has been ongoing as well. And that has implications both for national security at the macro level, mm -hmm. and, and, and we talk about that sometimes, and it has implications for how we're going to reconstruct the state. The licensing regime that we're talking about is pie in the sky. You do not have a state structure to implement or execute the kind of sophisticated public policy that you want vis-a-vis -vis license, licensing regime. Well, it can and be so done. the critics... It no, can be the, done. No, no, it... Well, Look, I, I don't I'll, know. I'll DCO you, is grade I'll, 18. I'll, I'll give you another example. At there's, best, there's grade another, 19 in a big another, district. There's another absurdity here. Uh, in 2000, the UN had this small arms and light weapons conference in New York, and, and the, uh, the process uh, in the run-up to that conference... Uh, the regions conducted their own, uh, the, the states conducted their own internal conferences, then there was a regional conference, and then it ultimately went to the UN. Uh, a lot of the work has been done on ammunition. Now, here's another absurdity in our case. Your license says you cannot possess more than 25 rounds at one time, mm. okay? With these pistols, some of these pistols, with the, with the magazine that you have in the pistol and the spare, spare magazine, uh, you'll probably be carrying 30 rounds. Yeah. Plus, you cannot have more than 100 rounds in a year. So where and how are you going to practice shooting? Because practicing shooting requires that you shoot thousands of rounds in a year on a, in, in the proper sort of range environment. Uh, and there are other technicalities also that we don't have time to get all into. All I'm saying is, Ajaz, the big, the big weapons companies no, no, on, and, the, and the industrial complex that backs yeah. all of this yeah. is smarter than us. And they've no, set up a regulatory thing. regime globally and there's locally. A, there, is, there is a CT measure that you can take. I've been saying this. I've actually said it on one of my programs, that you simply have no way of, no way of tracking ammunition. Now, if I, if I go to any shop, all I need to do is to show him my license, and he will give me ammunition, 50 rounds or 100 rounds or yeah. whatever, 25 rounds. That ammo is not cataloged. Now, if you begin to catalog the ammunition, and when you find a bullet in someone's body, and when you're performing the forensic on that bullet, and if you just look at the, the, the marking on the bullet, it will tell you that this round has come from this particular ammunition Manufa lot. Manufacturer. Okay. And, yeah. It can then can be tracked back. You can also trace back. it to, yeah, to the groove of the absolutely. gun so, that fired so, it. So, so if the, if, and and if we know I, that the Punjab I, forensic lab yeah. actually is one of the most sophisticated in the whole region right. and can do all of this so, stuff. So if I go to a weapons shop, if I go to a weapons shop and when I buy ammunition, if that person who is selling me the ammunition records the, that particular box, ammo, uh, they, they have the serial okay, numbers. Okay, so let's, I want to so transition. So you can tra trace so, it back. Yeah. So let's segue. License. So let's yeah, segue. Yeah. Yeah. When just, you talk I just to, want to add one comment, yeah. and just going back to something we said earlier. This is just my general issue with uh, automatic weapons and their mm -hmm. proliferation. Mm -hmm. Is that even in the US, when you're seeing all these excesses that are happening against certain mm -hmm. minority citizens, one of the problems is the militarization of the police and how they up the game in the type of weaponry yeah. they've been providing. And of course, it has much bigger issues, like how they're being trained also and whatever. But even for the police, the sort of use of excessive force, of course, is in tasers and just personally also, but 
their readiness to pull a gun or you know the other kinds of weapons. It's part and parcel is how they've upped the game on these certain things. But this is all because there is a systemic rigging of the game by the weapons manufacturers, by the private security companies, and this goes back to the 2000 election and the kind of people that became the most powerful people on the planet in the United States. There's no two ways about this. And if you want to learn more about this, you should read so Jeremy Scahill's work on this, yeah. not just his books, but also his reporting. Yeah. And you should also read some of the reporting on uh, what happened in New Orleans after the, after so the floods. I, I just want to add a quick question to you, Hijaz, mm -hmm. because I actually don't partly believe that here in Pakistan. I believe it's partly historical accident, it's partly incompetence, it's partly the rent-seeking that comes out of these licenses, mm -hmm. that actually our arms manufacturers aren't that effective at lobbying or getting this done. I may be totally wrong, this is just a hunch, so I'm just questioning this right now. Would that be maybe true or not? That the arms manufacturers cannot lobby for what? No, no. So, so I'm saying it's like in the U.S. where they've got a very active role in making oh, yeah, sure the game here, is right. Here, no, here no, they yeah. don't. Here you it's know, a number of much, other much reasons. Of no, no. Much here of it's the, not visible. The, no, no. But, much but of the, the private market, security companies, Fussy, are... Who, who makes up the private security companies? I mean, there's only a limit to how far we can go in this conversation because yeah. we've kept it no, no, clean fine. enough that we can survive. But, yeah. uh, but I'll say it very simply. A lot of retired generals end up working yeah. for big, big, big... Defense contractors, weapons manufacturers, weapons importers, things, weapons importers, private and private security no, no, companies. I know that, but I think in the overall retired generals. Things, our problem is not the private security companies. Oh, it, uh, well, no, uh, like I said, it's an entire macro level infrastructure where the game is rigged against weak and poor people, okay? And, and, and the, the private security companies and the weapons manufacturers and the importers in particular, and the amounts of rents that they're able to make. Again, the, you know, we can get into specific names, but we won't. That is a major public mm -hmm. policy problem, and nobody wants to tackle it because, you know, for the same reason yeah. that we won't get into Mu names much right of, now. Much of, the, much of the market, when it comes to uh, the violence that we associate with weapons, much of that market is actually underground. Yeah. It's, uh, it's an underground market. Uh, I can tell you that... Uh, and it's the overall weakness like, of the state. You know, absolutely, find, yeah. absolutely. Now, if, since... The, uh, you know, some of these countries are not exporting weapons to us. Uh, the prices of high-end pistols, for instance, and that would be the HK, the Glock, the Walther, the SIG, the Beretta. Uh, these are high-end pistols that you will get for something like anywhere from 225K to about 400K. Now, people who are actually using these weapons to generate violence on the streets or elsewhere, they are not using these pistols. They will be using, uh, like the Norenko, the Chinese, uh, which is a copy of the uh, Tela Takarov or the Makarov, or they will actually get knockoffs of these Makarovs or the TT pistols. Um, or they will get some of these uh, Brazilian uh, pistols okay, that are, okay, that are uh, copies of uh, other, like, for instance, the, the, you know, the Taurus makes some of these PT-99 is actually a clear and clean copy of the Beretta 92FS. You, know? so, you, you talk a lot. So, these pe so, so what I'm saying is that... Sorry, there's, are, a, there's an end to that sentence. That, that wasn't the whole sentence. I wasn't just saying you talk a lot. That, that, would, <laughs> that would be me. <laughs> okay. <laughs> No, no, I was saying that we need to have some kind of policy because right now... So that's the, exactly the, the question the I want to ask you. In the name of policy, we really do not have a policy. 
So that's the question I wanted to ask you. You do the show that is, I think, five times a week. Three, uh, three times a week. Three times a week, but it's yeah. very sort of well-respected, probably one of the most well-respected shows Absolutely. on Capital yeah. TV. Uh, Thank you do you, you do Thank a you. you do a column which you've been doing for various newspapers now for I don't know how long twenty years now, yeah. twenty two years. Yeah. And a I've long noticed time. you save your best work for Newsweek. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because no, the one that <laughs> you know that I look and I say, oh my God, all right, you know it's amazing. It's so shared. Yeah. Uh, no, but a lot of I mean I I remember reading Ajaz's pieces like when I was very like yeah, very young. Your discrimination got me. Look, you, you do have a chance in many ways. I mean, this is what I believe about everybody in the public domain is that every time Alamia gives us an opportunity to speak on a podcast, to be on a television show, to write a tweet, to even a Facebook update, you have a chance to influence the way things are in your immediate space and in your country. And I know that, you know, you do engage with policy. Uh, you know, when I was in government, you know, you know, that, I mean, just from that alone, but I know that you've continued it and you did it before as well. You talk to cops in particular. You've written a lot about um, uh, law enforcement and, and the police. When you talk about the licensing regime mm -hmm. to senior police officers, how does that conversation go and what is the actual problem? If you know the solution and you can say it to me on a podcast and I can understand it and Fussy thinks... Fussy can confirm it as a, as a Pakhtun, you know, he can affirm that that would be useful. <laughs> then, then uh, you know, despite all my fear in this conversation, then how do, we, how do we transition an intelligent conversation into policy? Because for me, that's like the question for the ages. I mean, it's kind of what we discuss on your show uh, whenever at least I'm on it. It's what me and Fussy have discussed so many times. How do you take all these intelligent conversations and make them meaningful? How do we create public policy from this conversation? First off, uh, Mosh, I don't think that uh, what I say, or I'm not the only one who's, uh, who's saying things. There are others also. Uh, Fassi himself has written a lot about these things. You have done that. Uh, we have other uh, mutual friends who, Faisal Lakwi is another person who does this, Salman Akhmaraj. I mean, there are a number of people who are saying uh, absolutely, uh, you know, sensible things. But no one really listens to that, frankly, you know. Uh, when I talk to the police officers, uh, you uh, probably, uh, it'll interest you or it'll surprise you that... Uh, as far as the issuance of uh, licenses is concerned, the police has a secondary role in that. Uh, it's just about a police report. Now, in most cases, that's just a formality. So here's the thing. There is no system where there's a starting point and there's an ending point at which you get a license. So if you know a Pakistan Administrative Services officer who knows the DCO, or if you know someone in the interior ministry and you go to the interior secretary, if you want, and for that, the interior ministry licenses and permits are A, all Pakistan, B, for what, the, you know, the misnomer, non -prohibi the, the prohibited board was actually about automatic rifles or automatic pistols. So there is no proper procedure. On the, on the surface, there is a procedure. You can download the form and you can fill out the form and you can go there. And there's going to be a police report, and there's going to be a medical report, and the rest of it. But in reality, it does not work like that. It simply works on the basis of the MPA has 
uh, X quota, the MNA has X quota. The, then there are people who actually interior minister in, 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 interior minister. Yeah. There are people who bear arms and who possess arms who are actually, in some ways, connected to the criminal world. Hmm. Connected, nahin. there's why, 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 I mean, straight up, the coits in, in, in various parts of the country absolutely. are part of the entourages of state representatives, of absolutely. officials, elected absolutely. and unelected so, officials. So, so, therefore, now let me surprise both of you by saying something. Uh, if we could, despite all my love for the guns, I would say that ideally, no society should have guns or weapons. Mm. It's much, much, much better to not have guns than to have guns. Because there is, it, you know, it's, it's, you, can, you can actually do this. And, you know, Fussy, since Fussy knows guns, he, he can actually. I have actually done this. You uh, strip your weapon and you put the parts in front of you. These are metallic we're, we're or plastic. <laughs> these are metallic or plastic parts. In and of themselves, these parts mean nothing. Yeah. You begin to assemble the weapon. Once you've assembled the weapon, then you take up the, the rounds and put them in the magazine. Then you clip in the magazine. I wish, it, I, it, I wish it, we it, could it, capture it, your, your it, hand it, motions it, it, right so, now. So, so <laughs> what I'm saying is that the... Because we're picking set, things set, up and putting the, them in and then... No, what I'm saying yeah. is that the lethality of the weapon with every step increases. And once you put the magazine in and you pull the slide back and you chamber the round and then you've got a human hand holding it, the weapon is lethal because that is the point at which... It's gonna, it can kill somebody. It can kill someone and it does kill someone, you know. So, so therefore, it, it's not something that can be taken lightly or we cannot have a cavalier attitude towards this. And ideally, I think, and while I've been training my son, you know, he is not allowed outside of the range to even touch the weapon. So, yeah. so, so these, these are things that, that have to be like, you simply should not be, uh, you know, I, I mean, you So what you're saying is that if we have effective, credible public policy, on weapons, you would be among the first to voluntarily give up the right to bear arms. I will. I yeah, will. I'll tell that's you, that's, I'll tell that's bold, and I, 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 I appreciate that. Because I think we do need to lead to that. There is no way that we can have that, but it's all going to be in the implementation, during, right? During the 90s, um, the PMLN tried to de-arm Pakistan. They had this particular um, amnesty drive where you could submit the weapons you had. And it was hilarious. Yeah. All over, only in KP. Did somebody submit? That was this poor old 70, 80 year old man who gave his 1901, you know, really uh, valuable pieces. And he was just like a good guy. He just handed them over. I felt bad for him. But I just wanted to ask. <laughs> you know, it's like one of those things you say, okay, this one, maybe you can let slide. Yeah. You don't have to be that. But I want to ask a sort of a larger question just going mm -hmm. on from this and based on your expertise. Even though I have one more nerdy question, but we'll discuss that <laughs> offline. Like, I can't believe you put SIG in high-end weapons. Tiga? Oh, well, no, I, I, okay. I, I okay. Okay. Seriously, yeah, seriously, yeah. Like, like, you no, know. We, we leave that, right? We have uh, analytics to consider here. Yeah, yeah, we, 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 we let that one slide. So my question is, the police is seriously underforming. We've got a new end problem where the army is taking over role. What yeah. is it required that the police can now actually, you know, because 
their function has essentially changed over time because the nature of you know, criminality is one thing. Mm -hmm. Yes, there are some similarities in certain types of gangs that yeah. happen. But especially in terms of the way their morale might be approached, that you know, the high-end jobs, the things that matter now are being mm -hmm. taken care of by the army. Mm -hmm. And actually, in the long run, that's not a good thing. The police mm -hmm. has to Absolutely. step up their game. But given the kind of moribund police systems we have in all the provinces, mm -hmm. that we had a problem even before yeah. terrorism was this big an issue. Yeah. So what is it that you think needs to be done, like low-hanging fruit that could actually help things? OK, multiple things. But if you talk about low-hanging fruit, um, uh, the one thing, without doing anything, uh, if we can do a couple of things uh, with the existing police, uh, if we can ensure that there's going to be no political intervention uh, into the functioning of the police, uh, that also includes the postings and transfers of police officers. So now we've heard that uh, in KP this has happened. I'm Hold sorry, on. I, let, I, I, let I let keep me, interrupting, me, but just let, do let comment me. on the extent yeah, to which you okay. think it's happened yeah, okay, in KP. Okay. And uh, secondly, if uh, if uh, you know the uh, this this. Um, uh, the uh, sort of supervisory role of the Pakistan Administrative Services is taken away and police is actually allowed to function as an independent force uh, without doing anything else. Right. As it stands, its performance will increase by about 20 to 25%. That said, police requires major reforms, major reforms. Uh, but before I, I, I indicate some of those, uh, let me just say that I've been for years, I think, been saying this, that counterterrorism policing is the most important CT function that you can possibly have. Mm -hmm. It's not the job of the army, it's not mm -hmm. the job of rangers, paramilitary forces, whether it's FC, uh, KP and FC Balochistan or rangers this side. Because it's the, the job, it's the job of the police. Facing. Absolutely. It's the yeah. job of the police. Now. This was not Peel's police. The model that was created was essentially based on the constabulary of Northern Ireland and uh, the 1861 Act. Uh, there were previous acts also, but the 1861 Act kind of became the, the, the central feature of the police. And so it had constabulary functions. But the interesting thing is that in the three residency towns of Calcutta, Madras, and Bombay, the Gora had created the metropolitan police systems that he had in London. Because that is where there was a concentration of uh, the Gora population. Mm. So these towns were residency uh, towns, and they had the Met police system. Mm. The rest of it, it was constabulary. It's interesting that, you know, if you for instance, if you uh, look at uh, Irish-English literature, um, you, you see uh, the constabulary in Northern Ireland was referred to as the black and tans. Mm. And just look at the uniform here. Mm. It's precisely, it's exactly the black and tans that you, know, you have. So you need to move away from the 1861 thing. Now, one of the boldest moves to try and reform the police was done during Musharraf's time with the police order of 2002. Unfortunately, the... Uh, you know, the implementation never really happened. Uh, and of course, you know, you move from the drawing board and you move into the implementation phase of a particular thing and you realize that you need to tweak it up from here and, you know, 
sort of, uh, you know, it's loose from here, so you tighten it up and all of that, and that happens as you go along. Uh, but instead of doing that, you, these people began to dilute their own order. And ultimately, we arrived at a stage where uh, once we, in 2008, when, you know, when we had the uh, back to the democratic regime, they threw the baby out with the bath water. And uh, there was a mix, Punjab was a mix of 1861 and 2002, some features of 2002. Since has gone back to 1861. KP, in more ways than one. Yeah, in yeah. more ways than one. <laughs> in, in absolutely in more ways than one. Um, uh, Just K talk a little bit about Nasir Durrani and, and what, the, what, what your impression is of, of uh, a police autonomy in Khyber Pakhtunkhwa. Can I also predicate yeah, this yeah, question? Yeah, sure. I, I was, it was interesting when Musharraf asked it because one of the things that I kept seeing, and now I haven't talked to police officers in KP, mm -hmm. but just you know, going uh, mm -hmm. to my own village and elsewhere, and you know, the complaint that comes is that, and and I do have a friend who's in the civil service, but so they do acknowledge some degree of interference being finished. However, the problem is that when you have a moribund force or someone mm -hmm. that has huge problems. Just saying that we won't interfere and we'll let yeah. you be yeah. is not a solution. Absolutely. And that's something that I've noticed, and I don't know if So basically, you had to take the one potential moment of tarif for the PTI on this on this podcast, and you had to caveat it with, with that. Well, it, it's a big question of mine. So I, I'm just wondering, because I haven't spoken okay. to police officers. Okay. Yes. So uh, I've, I've met with uh, Nasir Khan Durrani uh, twice, uh, and, uh, and I interviewed him both times. Um, uh, the last one was uh, fairly recently, I think it was about a month and a half ago. Um, PTI has definitely allowed space to the KP police. Nasir Khan Durrani has been their focal officer uh, that way because he's also the IGP. But I agree with you. I, I mentioned this to him in so many words that uh, the space that you have got is, is fine, but you also need to begin to reconfigure the policing system itself in order for the police to become, to acquire the kind of level of efficiency uh, and an and, and, and understanding and appreciation of modern policing, which is important. Now, the way I look at it, Unfortunately, there is a, a, a lot of, uh, I would say, a time lag because our Mufassal areas, for the most part, depending on which province we are talking about, some are living in the 12th century, some are living in the 14th, 16th, 18th True. century, mm -hmm. and then you've got the urban centers. So the first thing that you need to do is to understand that your, the requirements of your rural policing will be different from the requirements mm -hmm. of your urban policing. Now, within the urban policing system, if you look at what's happening in India or in Nepal or in Bangladesh or in Sri Lanka, they have created the MET policing systems in their major urban centers. In terms of Karachi, for instance, Fasi, I have been saying this for a long time that Karachi is primed for a MET policing experiment that needs to be done in Karachi. And you need to have the, the bulk of the police force in Karachi should be from Karachi mm -hmm. instead of from the outside. 
because instead of from charsada or from jacobabad or Precisely, from you know, or from muzaffarabad or muzaffargarh and, 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 and no 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 hold on people hold on. told me no, yes no, charsada people no, no, but well, yes, but some yes. people from charsada <laughs> no no but mush here, here here's the thing here's the thing if you do have a met policing system in karachi and you have the large part of the force from karachi you will in fact have people from charsada of, co- of course you, you will. will have people from koita <laughs> right. of course you will have because no no no, karachi, no, no, no. but, but we, people karachi is on, a microcosm of yeah. pakistan yeah, of course right, it is but right. but you'll have people who who are whose families are living there who have to go home to the same neighborhoods that at least if not them then their colleagues no, are okay. policing so, 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 i think so, the, no, issue no, is, the issue is the issue is local yeah. policing the issue is not you know ethnicity no, no, karachi is a metropolitan this, yeah, this yeah. is uh, an ill informed question but just a small segue into what you're explaining mm-hmm. so in the metropolitan system where they have people from the areas is the idea of the other system that if you bring people in from elsewhere that you might get a greater degree of impartiality and integrity is that actually i mean how does one no, that how does that on overcome that, depend, that yeah. depends that, that, that depends on it's correct how, because yeah. that came from the colonial model yeah. of governance yeah. in yeah. which the police function was not to protect and serve yeah. the police function was to quell suppress and maintain order in the way it was defined by the british raj Absolutely. that's why you have something called the maintenance of public order yes. you don't have any ordinances called the protection of the human uh, life uh, uh, order Absolutely. the protection yeah. of, no, of no, property you have, order you have said you really need to understand important. how colonial the existing 2016 pakistan really is well mujarab mujarab you have you have yeah. actually pointed out one of the most important and fundamental aspects of modern policing because you know when i started working on the police i will be very uh, honest this has been about 3 3 and a half years now uh, i uh, i didn't really know much about the police i got into that from a counter terrorism perspective and i said let me look at how the police's counterterrorism uh, expertise can be enhanced within a month i realized that my uh, my premise the way i was approaching was absolutely wrong because to think that your day to day policing will remain what it is and that you can have an island of excellence where a certain part of the police is actually going to perform outstanding counterterrorism functions is right. because your counterterrorism and normal policing are part of the same continuum and one of the most important aspects of both daily policing and counterterrorism is police community relations mm. and police community relations that is where most your uh, your point comes in which you so eloquently put forward and it's it's a, it's a central point that it's all about the approaches police has to maintain law and order yeah. there is no concept of public safety and service hmm. metropolitan policing begins with the idea of public safety and and you know service and but that but that requires a complete overhaul of the system now this whole thing about you you got three tiers here you have two provincial level tiers where you have the the constables that uh, come in and you also have the sub inspectors and then you have the third higher tier of management which is the police service of pakistan and the psp cadre now the problems why have we not been able to uh, to improve the police 
We haven't been able to improve the, uh, the police because the current template works very nicely for the politicians. It works very nicely for the Pakistan Administrative Service officers. And ironically, it also works very nicely for so the, the police PS service of Pakistan. The PSP is one of the okay. biggest beneficiaries but of this, of this. Yeah. colonized because, model. Because if Colonial you, if you, if you uh, look at the chief constable of the Metropolitan Police, the police, uh, the chief constable does not have any number of staff at his disposal who will go and buy tickets for his children and who will stand in queues and do this, that, and the other for him. He does not have any of those that manpower. Yeah. But here, whether you are an SHO, which is the provincial card, whether you are DSP, which is again a provincial card, and whether you, you begin with ASP and go further up, yeah. You have so much of manpower. No, and you have you to have break so this down just so because, many, again, so because many bugs, uh, just, just to break the, for yeah. the listener, because I think we, we get into a lot of detail where a lot of listeners will know, but a lot of listeners might not. So the ASP is the is the entry level of yeah. the PSP. Now, just to go, the Police Service of Pakistan, which is the PSP, the Pakistan Administrative Service, which is the old DMG, and something called the Secretariat Group are three civil service groups out of about almost uh, 20. Four maybe 21, 22, uh, that are called APUG. They are all Pakistan unified grade, which means that you can place an officer. A pug. APUG, that's right. Um, right. And you can place them anywhere in Pakistan because they are representatives of the federation, if, yeah. if you will, yeah, right? Yeah. And what that also means is that this mobility uh, across... Now, the argument for this is to keep the state... Uh, together, you know, to, to make sure that the country doesn't suffer from the fissiparious tendencies that had been a threat to this country, uh, thanks especially to some Pakhtun brothers from before partition. You know, the, the frontier Gandhi, the, yeah, the yeah. frontier Gandhi and well, what happened. He was a great dude. He, I agree that he was a great dude. I'm saying that yeah, yeah. because he was so great, yeah. he created, you know, his wisdom created insecurities doubt. and yeah, doubt yeah, about, yeah, yeah. you know, how we were going to keep this experiment going and, yeah. and keep, keep it together. And so we made a lot of mistakes in the interim. So the point being, the PSP uh, hires sorry, people. Sorry, before you continue, I just find it curious that whatever problem you take up in Pakistan, somehow it comes back to the DMG. Together, like this overarching thing and how it's influencing, you know, the PAS now and all that. Yeah, absolutely. Well, it does. I mean, sadly, it does come back to the DMG, but not, uh, not always with the DMG as the villain. In in some, in many instances, the DMG is also a victim of of the way that things are and the way things have been. But just the point that I wanted to make on the ASP is. When, you, when civil servants are hired for these grades, they start at something called grade 17. So there's grade 1, which is like a chaprasi, and, and then it goes all the way to grade 22, which is a federal secretary or you know, an IG of police or what have you. Civil servants who pass the exam and go through the academy join at grade 17. And in the police service of Pakistan, they start at a level called Assistant Superintendent of Police, ASP. Achha. That, I wanted for, to bring for, that for, in because for, I want you to for now... The, for the Federal Guard, not for the Provincial Guard. Right. We're talking about the Federal Guard. Yeah. Now, just break us down, Ijaz. Give us a sense of when you put an ASP in the field, what resources, people and weaponry and machines and that you're giving this 26, 27-year-old who's probably only worked a couple of years, if ever, in his life. Go. So, uh, well, so uh, there are two things here, in fact. One is that, professionally speaking, Professionally, where the police, the kind of resources that the police needs, 
whether it's weaponry, whether it's uh, training into various uh, disciplines of policing, uh, whether it's their transport and the rest of it. Uh, ironically, those resources are fairly scarce at one level. But the officers, whether it's an ASP, whether it's an SP in a district, in terms of their personal errands and their, their personal upkeep, there's a lot of manpower. There's a lot of transport available. And it's a, it's a very powerful position. And, and when you, when you, and if you, if you combine that power with a certain lack of professionalism, whether that lack of professionalism has to do with um, poor training, poor resources, or, or the poor capacity grooming, to abuse resources, or, yeah. it becomes a lethal combination. So you how know? many, how many SHOs, how many actual thanas on average under one ASP? Because at one time, when I, when I used to work on this and, you know, on, on, on civil service reform, it was a shockingly high number. I, I don't know what it is now. You've, wor you've worked on it recently. I don't know the exact number of thanas that, uh, that are under an ASP, but uh, uh, on, the, on the issue of thanas, I have another uh, problem that I mentioned uh, very recently at one of the seminars uh, on the police, that instead of increasing the number of thanas and having most of those thanas with scarce resources, it's much better You need better to tool to up the existing thanas. You need to have lesser number of thanas, and, but they, they must be fully equipped, and the staff must be trained. But it, it's an interesting thing. In the uh, policing budget for Punjab, as well as Khabar Pakhtunkha, I know these two because I just spoke with uh, Nasr Khan Durrani and then... But barely 2.5% of the total budget is allocated to training and, and resources. Nay, but uh, it's as, can I just challenge what you just said? Because it's kind of like the debate on education that you know uh, we often have, and, and in fact just had today, yeah. about uh, access versus quality, where, where my view is you need both and you need them simultaneously because one affects the other. I think with policing, it may not be exactly the same, but, but it is similar in the sense that you have, uh, I believe, 36 districts in the great province of the Punjab. You have 734 thanas in the great district. Mm -hmm. You are, th that, is a, that is a shockingly low number of police stations for 90 million people. 90 no, million it's, people it's are being not, served no, it's, by it's 734 not, thanas. Well, now, oh, the, the okay, issue is, okay, so now, here's the, yeah. let, me, let me bring, just, yeah. because what, for me, the issue is that if, if there is an injustice that takes place in a far-flung area, mm -hmm in a place like Rajanpur, which, by the way, happens to be the kind of area where the most injustices take place mm -hmm. because exactly of what I'm about to say, which is foot distance to a mm -hmm. police station. Mm -hmm. for, forget for a moment that when she gets there, mm -hmm. because in, in, invariably women are bigger victims of injustice mm -hmm. than men all mm -hmm. over the world and, and especially here. By the time you get there, you've traversed maybe dozens of kilometers. Uh, I mean, in a district like Rajanpur, mm. there essentially is no state because no, no, no. the okay. dispersal, so I, so I the dispersal saying, of but, but population means that the coverage of thanas, uh, like okay. the, distinct, uh, the, the, the distance between those two is too mm. high. You do need more coverage. No, okay, so here's the thing. My first distinction was that we have to distinguish between urban policing and rural policing, yeah. okay? 
So I was basically talking about urban policing here. Rural policing is a different kind of thing. And, and how do you cover those distances? Uh, whether you cover those distances with better communication or whether you cover, because it's like saying you want to, if you have taken up defense, the old style of defense before automatic weapons came into, into play was to fill spaces with manpower. But once you got the automatic weapons, you fill those spaces with interlocking automatic fire. You don't fill them up with manpower per se. So rural policing uh, requires a different kind of treatment and not a one-size-fits-all kind of solution because the rural area of Di Khan or is very Kalu different from the rural area of Shekhapura. Yeah, of course. So, so you you will have to have a, 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 a different temp, a template. But in the urban centers, uh, you do not need excessive number of thanas. We also need to, decidedly, we need to improve the the police to population ratio, which is one of the worst uh, in, in the world. In, in I mean, South we keep Asia, talking about we South keep Asia, talking about PIA air, yeah. employees to aircraft yeah. ratio. Yeah. But look at the number of people to cops yeah. in this country. But what I am saying is that you need to get rid of this whole idea of the a. You have policing as the the preserve of the provinces. Then you also have federal carder, which is a, which has managerial, uh, uh, you know, uh, this thing. But the actual interface with the police happens at the Thana level, where you have the provincial carder, not the federal carder, you know? And that is where problems begin. Yeah, so there's not a to, single federal to... officer who's an SHO, because they can't be. Precisely. Yeah. OK? Yeah. Although, I... although, if you really want to do, do, that, do that, there should damn well be SHOs. Yeah, there should start as it. And then, then you have the resource problem. Then you have the real contradiction between so, this so, fake, so, inorganic so, economics, which yeah. calls for smaller government in yeah. a country like Pakistan, which needs dramatically bigger government. Because if you were to have an SHO who was a yeah. grade 17 officer, and actually, I think you should have SHOs that are grade 18 at least. Yeah. Because actually, an SHO and a brigadier, for me, are the same thing. So actually, that should be... So, it so, should be, so, it should be great 20. It should be, be a burgundier level this thing. This problem can be resolved if you begin to introduce metropolitan policing in the major urban centers. So this is exactly what Turkey has, right? You have Istanbul police, which is completely yeah. separate yeah. from the gendarme model yeah. of the French, yeah. which is that rural but areas. You do have the gendarmerie because... Of course. The, and you can also and have the gendarmerie. It's not that you can't have that. Because you will definitely need to have... Yeah, but then the contest like a, will like be... A, like a FBI thing. Absolutely, but... You need to have a federal force. No, but we, know, are, we have that. We have the FIA, like the Australian uh, sort of... Uh, the fine, fine, but federal FIA is neither here nor there. That's the problem. NACTA is neither here nor there. You need to... You, you, you can't just simply create uh, things on... on Paper. But then we, but then we figured out why we have those things. But then we figured out why public space is so threatened by weapons, for example, and yeah. and the whole reason why all this wisdom that you and many others before you and many others after you will have about you know how to how to how to have a, an effective licensing regime for weapons. I mean, we've just solved, we've cracked the case, right? Because you have a NACTA, which nobody quite knows what it does, and it's been. It's been a year and a half since APS, and we still don't know what's happening no, no, with that, NACTA, uh, you know, right? This, this podcast will become 24-hour long if we begin to discuss all of that. I, You're absolutely yeah. right. I think we're bordering but, but, on 24-hour long but, anyway, but, as, but, as it but, is. But here, here's the thing. You, you know, police is absolutely crucial, whether it's counterterrorism, whether it's public safety and service, okay? 
you you don't need to have the same kind of central superior services examination that you have for other services uh, you can get good people uh, even from the army for instance who's been in the military police and all you can have a separate exam you can have a separate academy for the lahore police department for the karachi police department for the peshawar police department smart young uh, kids and the other thing which is the most ridiculous thing the entire idea of a counter terrorism force is that you get these guys put them in black uniforms or these funny like you know we now have the dolphin force which the, these guys i don't know how they wear that uniform in in summer and you tell them how to repel from a tower you tell them how to uh, you know shoot smgs and glocks and all of, all of that that is not counter terrorism no but i just uh, i mean criticism is fine you know this is like the danish school criticism is it not true also that having things like the dolphin force yeah just from the perspective of what's visible to the public eye mm -hmm. is actually a useful thing in our country no, that it's not. that well so i think i mean i was I, i was trying to be nice i was framing it as a question i really strongly believe that elements of the state need to represent aspiration not just effectiveness alone so i this is why i'm okay with the metros i'm not okay with corruption if there's been corruption in the building of the metro we should find it and we should quash it but having a metro and somebody saying ye to bahut badi luxury hai well actually not really if you go to work on the metro it's not really a luxury if a dolphin force helps reestablish or frankly for us establish mm -hmm. the idea of a protect and serve uh, muscular state Mm -hmm. I'm. I, I can't be more for it. No, but here's the thing: you spend X amount on creating a force, okay? And this is not the first time. There were, in in Lahore, we also now have this mobile and other like these. There's several of these. That, yeah, you know? yeah, absolutely. Okay. It's been going on since so, the 90s. So I want someone to tell me whether it's the chief minister of the Punjab or whether it's his kitchen cabinet or whether it's. His kitchen cabinet made up of DMG and PAS officers only. <clears throat> I want them to tell me. how they evaluate the performance of this force because if you spent millions of dollars on creating something and you know these guys have been given these mp5 submachine that latest not even but the army is using those uh, and they've got these rata 90 wait but is this the dream hold on cycles the motorcycles yeah the but hold on a second okay. isn't this but, the dream ajaz haven't we been saying for ages that we're over invested in the muscular macro state and under invested in the micro people to people state now finally we are investing physically and demonstrably in policing and now the problem is that it's the same as the military why shouldn't it be the same it should no, be better no, than no, the military no, said, no no one is saying no one is saying what i'm saying is that if you really want to invest in the police stop creating extra forces and invest begin, in the regular begin, police absolutely begin, begin to yeah. begin to reform the police the, the the actual crucial reforms that you need is not just about getting these swanky bikes and you know this Agreed. strange yep. kind of uniform yep. and, and 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 I'll tell you the level of training here said you know I'm sorry I mean I don't want to go back to the guns one of these johnnies this dolphin guy <laughs> that's he, such an army thing to say okay <laughs> one of the, when he goes back to the armory he is depositing his weapons as is the the norm don't ask me how he managed to do that with a berata 92 fs which has dual safety you say system you say fs i hear foreign service okay. i don't know what you're talking about this guy mercifully it was a flash wound 
he manages to shoot himself in the thigh. How he has managed to do that with a Beretta is beyond me. But it just gives Maybe you a sense of... Maybe he was scratching an itch. I, I actually tell you, just <laughs> this is uh, something different, but there's a great YouTube video of an ATF officer in a school in the US. Mm -hmm. And he's demonstrating a gun and he shoots himself in the foot. And then he tells everyone, like, he's so embarrassed that, you know, he's dull the pain. Oh, it's not a problem, whatever, right? But because it was filmed and put out, he was subsequently sub, uh, suspended. But one thing on the Tana level that I wanted to ask you is that one of the greatest problems that when a citizen does have a, I mean, response times, the crime happens, it's a property dispute, whatever it may be, mm -hmm. is the FIR itself. Oh, yeah. Now, yeah. Yeah. what is it in the FIR system that can also be quickly reformed? Because you ask people, and this is actually almost immune to levels of education or income. Yeah. Yeah. Everyone has a problem. Yeah. That if you want to go away traumatized by mm -hmm. working with the police, they're not going to, it's not going mm -hmm. to be police brutality, it's, it's the act of registering the FIR. Absolutely. And if you talk to senior police officers, they will tell you that FIR basically is conceptually is supposed to be nothing more than just a first information report. Yeah. But they will also tell you that for some bizarre reason, even the courts, and it's the jurisprudence that has become attached to this, the concept of the FIR, that has made this FIR so sacrosanct in the sense that whatever the hell is there yeah. becomes like something cast in stone, mm. you know. And, and uh, the police officers and uh, even the lawyers and the litigants and everyone is convinced that this is not how the FIR should be treated. Mm. And yet, despite this knowledge... And, and, and this national consensus, long-standing... And, and this consensus, yeah. the damn FIR stands in the middle like this flagpole or something which no one is prepared to get rid of. Yes. You know? Uh, and this is, the, I'll go back to what you said, said about, you know, uh, you were kind enough to say that, you know, when I speak and write and all of that, I influence people. No, I don't. Frankly, I mean, I, I and uh, don't call me cynical. Uh, I, I think I'm being very practical here. Because if you're not part of the establishment, and I'm using the word establishment here more loosely than it's normally used. Uh, nothing really works. But the irony is that when you are, if and when you are part of the establishment, you actually lose your individuality because if you want to be successful, you have to become part of the, the functioning of the establishment itself. And that is where you then uh, begin to uh, exercise bounded rationality and systematic stupidity, uh, which all large-scale bureaucratic organizations are afflicted with, according to the organizational theory. So no one here really listens to this, because there are multiple uh, vested interests, and the template works for lots of people, and so no one is really bothered. I wanted to. I, I don't think we can. Well, I don't think we can end on that. No, on no, that down ending. a note. This is not ending. <laughs> this, is going, this is one of the long ones. Right? Should we? Should we, for the benefit of listeners, should we break this up into two parts? I think Let's it might be that. very useful. Okay. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for joining us uh, on this conversation, which we're going to continue with Ajaz Hather, and it's going to be continued within the flow that it's in. But we're going to take a break here and end this podcast and have. 
have a second episode as a follow-up. Uh, so do join us for that, and we just will... Just one last thing quickly for Ijaz. Isn't one of the major, you know, sort of uh, problems with guns is also, is that like when you're polishing your weapon, you could blow your head off? Yeah, which is why I always keep telling people to look, look for the look for the chambered round, <laughs> chambered round. All right, <laughs> Sorry, we'll, we'll we'll be back with the jobs. <laughs>